Hey, Edith. Hey, Christy. What did one canner say to the other? I don't know. What did one canner say to the other? Let's talk while we can. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? That's like a five, but out of 150. <laughs> so it's, it's, so it's good because we want really bad jokes. Right, right. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> yes. Hi, I'm Christy. And I'm Edith. We're backyard gardeners in Colorado. And neighbors. And friends. These days, gardening is becoming very popular. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips, a fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down Hi, everybody out there, and hi, Christy, across the room. Hello, Edith. How are you? You know, Edith, I want to wish you happy October. Oh, I love October. Did you know, Edith, that October is National German American Heritage Month? Is that why they have Oktoberfest? That's probably why. I bet you that's why. So happy German American Heritage oh, Month. Thank you very much. Let's grab a beer and put on some lederhosen and make some sauerkraut. Okay, we'll do that, really. <laughs> okay, good thinking. All right. How are you now that the weather's turned suddenly so cold? It's nice, isn't it? Beautiful. I put a sweater oh on. We turned the heat on today. We finally got rain this yeah, week. Yeah, For the first great. time, how long has it been? Wonderful. Oh, it's been so long. The garden is like so, so happy. I think about the garden last year, Edith, and this time it was essentially done because we had that oh my snow gosh. in September. And now we're getting a long fall. Oh, and I have so much stuff coming in. Yeah, it's totally a different story for sure. And it yes. looks like there's really no end in sight because the lows for the next ten or so day ten or so days yeah. are in the fifties. 40s, okay. upper 40s, 50s. So we might have a couple more weeks for the tomatoes to ripen. I think so. Guess what I found? Well, I, I will tell you that later. Um, So guess, well, guess what happened to me this week? You won the lottery. I wish. <laughs> no, but close. I got a return email from Beyond Peak. Oh my God, I'm <laughs> falling off my chair. <laughs> it's been, what, a month? Yeah. Oh, you want me to read it to you? Yeah. Okay, so here it is. This, ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Beyond Pete doesn't use Pete in their bagged, what do you call it? Their bagged garden product They're, that right. is some kind of soil amendment. They said that it was made out of garden residuals, and I really wanted to know what, what, what does that mean, because I'm growing stuff in it. So, I, three weeks to a month later, I get a response from Travis at customer service at Beyond Pete. Com. And he says, good evening. <laughs> Our soil blend is an organic proprietary mixture. Thank you for reaching out. <laughs> that's, that's beyond Pete customer service team. You know. Christy, that took a whole team to write. Right. You know what this sounds like to me? What? Do you remember the movie Soylent Green? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Oh, no. I'm eating stuff that I grew in that, Christy. Oh now, here's the thing. I'm not asking for a recipe. I'm not asking for proportions. Right. You don't want to steal anything and no. make your own. I want to know. Just tell me, like, It's a proprietary of. 
It's proprietary mixture. If it, why couldn't he just say it's organic compost? Why couldn't he say something like that? Maybe it isn't that. But anyway, that finally, I've been waiting for that. We've been talking about that for like a month now. And now we know? We know nothing. We know nothing. We know still absolutely nothing, hmm. which is really, it's that, it's that corporate speak. Yeah. That they answer mm-hmm. really late, but they don't really say anything. Hmm. So... Okay, takes a team, I guess. There's that. There is that. Hey, let's give a shout-out to a garden party member. I'd love to do that. So here's a shout-out to all our garden party members. These are folks who give us a couple bucks a month to help support the podcast. And a special thank you to Abby B. from Denver. She is a lawn chair lettuce, and that means she got seeds from our garden. And I have a lawn chair lettuce in my garden right now. Not a person, but an actual chair. Some lettuce that you, and then you put a launcher over it. And then I put a launcher over it because it was so hot. Two days ago, it was like 90. But I just want them to know how much we appreciate. We truly appreciate. It makes such a difference for us to be able to do this podcast. Yeah, it, it, it's so helpful. Thank you so much, Abby. And thank you all of the uh, garden parties that, that have got stayed with us for a whole year now. Yes. Yeah, thank you so much. And if you want to be a garden party member, get some fun rewards, then you just need to click on the link in the show notes or you can go to our website and that'll show you how to do it too. It'll give you that warm feeling inside that you will have done something really good for the day. Huh? <laughs> it's, like, it's like the warm feeling I'm getting drinking this tea out of our Upside Down Tulips mugs. Is that like a lead-in to merchandise? Yeah. That's so clever. <laughs> and if you have, a, if you're at a special level of the garden party, you can get an upside-down tulips mug or t-shirt. That's very, very clever. Good for you. You're getting really good at this. <laughs> yeah, it's only, it's episode 61. Yeah, it's only 61. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can't believe we do this every single week. This is really something. And we've kept it up, even though the pandemic is, well, people have gone back to work. We both yeah. have work. But it's still, uh, it's still really wonderful to do this. And I look forward to it. Yeah, me too. How's your garden going, Edith? Oh, Christy, my garden is going, uh, well, I have radishes. Oh, good. Remember when I grew them like the end of July? I didn't think they were going to make it, but they did. All of my uh, spinach is dead. The little spinach that I planted, yeah. that's what was under their lawn chair. But one day went by when I was busy and I didn't water it. and It was 90 degrees. That poor little thing, all by itself on the hoogle. Uh, gave up the ghost. It just gave up the ghost. And nothing else is up. However, um, I've had some like revelations this year. The arugula that I grew because I saw yours is is wonderful. It's, it's fantastic. As long as you keep trimming it back and, and not letting it bolt, arugula is a gift that will keep on giving. You are so right. I saw one bit of seeds on it, and I cut them off. But they are getting really big, and they're wonderful. Oh, well, great. Now, will you plant spinach again, Edith? I don't know, Christy. I, I don't know. I mean... Is it too late? It's... It's October. You know, probably. It's probably too late. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some in the ground this weekend, and we'll just see. Why don't we just see? That's what we're all about, is trying to experiment yeah. and see. We're in Zone 5B. So usually it's a bit late to start. But But because of climate change. But because of climate change and things like we have the seeds, why not try? I would mean to also ask you, Edith, um, 
you know, your Bokashi experiment? <laughs> and you had the one bucket. Yeah. That this is a unique way of composting uh, mm-hmm. things you normally can't compost. And you had the one bucket that uh-huh. um, had a bunch of maggots mm. in it. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So it didn't Mm-mm. turn out oh, too well. Mm. But wow. you had another bucket, didn't you? Yes, 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 yes. How's this, your other bucket? Well, it doesn't have maggots in it, that's for sure. It's supposed to be anaerobic. You're supposed to not let air and stuff in Just it. Just like my sauerkraut experiment and somehow that went bad. Oh, yeah. This other one is is coming right along. It's... It's not as near soil as I thought it would be. Okay. So I'm just going to let it sit there. I'm going to do the whole soil amendment thing probably in two to three weeks so that the garden has time to nourish itself Mm -hmm. the whole entire winter. Yeah. And I think that's when I'll use it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good experiment, though. I just don't know if I would do it again. Uh Um, how, How are your peaches doing? Any left? No. Oh, no, man. I tell you, I have so appreciated the peaches that you had given me this year. They are so sweet. Oh, you are so welcome. I was surprised. I think it was making up for the fact that my plum tree died. Oh, it was, and it oh, was it felt like, bad for you. Oh, and it was like giving of itself. I have, I had a lot of peaches, and people would say, you know, they were like as good, if not better, than the ones from Palisade. From Palisade, they were very sweet. You know, they weren't as big as the ones from Palisade, uh-huh. but that that doesn't matter. In fact, I made an almond cake with peaches and cream. We'll have some afterwards. Oh. And the peaches that I put on top of the cake, eat it. I didn't even put sugar on them. They're oh, so sweet, so sweet. So so so. I, anyway, I was really really happy with them. As were the birds, the squirrels, and the bees. And I didn't even mind sharing because I had so many. And usually, like a some would drop every day. And then you'd see a squirrel come and eat some, but you'd see bees everywhere, preparing for the winter by eating these wonderful peaches. Uh, so yeah, and now there's nothing left. I look out the window and I see not one single peach fleck on the ground. It has been eaten by something completely. It was the giving tree. Oh my gosh, I love that book. <laughs> Oh, now you made me all like warm and tender. Yes, it was the giving tree. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much, I think, everything in my garden. What about yours? Well, this has been the start of fall cleanup for me in the flower garden. And folks, if you remember last year, we talked about fall cleanup and the different steps that you should do, that it's not necessary to hack everything down, but that doesn't mean you should do nothing. Yeah, you leave some stuff to overwinter for insects, for birds, etc., correct? Yeah, it's okay to leave your yard a little bit wild. Yeah. But everything that you do right now means less work in the spring. Uh, that's a good idea. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like finding a nice happy balance. Yes. So I always kind of say you should tidy up, but not too much. So anything that is diseased, well, you should throw that away. Mm-hmm. Um, and your spent perennials, you should cut those back to about two to three inches. So I'm slowly working my way through the perennial beds, cutting back that. I do have some things that are blooming though right now, which I think is important in the flower bed. So folks, if you get a chance to buy some mums at the grocery store, you should, because that's an important source for pollinators still. Or what about asters? My asters. Those Great point. Beautiful purple, beautiful flowers. I have asters too. Yeah. Wonderful. I love those. Um, and it's also good for like even monarch bot- butterflies in particular. They really? need nectar as they do their fall migration. I didn't know they ate on the aster. Mm-hmm. Huh. 
Um, and uh, and it's a great time to save seeds. So I'm still saving seeds. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm keeping my eye out on the weather because I have several things in containers that I'm going to have to bring in or move in soon. Yeah. Uh, remember what last year, what my about dream. The ro- what about the rosemary? I, I I have to try to not kill my rosemary. Are you going to bring your rosemary in? I am. Okay. And I'm going to spritz it with a with a spray bottle. Yeah, because it gets very dry. I'm going to try to humidify it. See now, last year, see my rosemary is planted in the ground. I'm not going to mm-hmm. dig it up. Last year, I left it out there. But every time the temperature got below 20 degrees, uh-huh. I wrapped it in some frost cloth, okay. and I cut it back. So I'm going to cut that rosemary. Not yet. I'm maybe this week I should do it. They'll cut it back uh-huh. about half. You're going to cut it back it. so it can get through the winter. Yes. But when I bring it in, I don't have to cut it back. I don't think. I don't think so. But think you will have to worry it. about humidity a lot and sun too. If it's going to stay true, inside. true, true. Still, you just have to get, you just have to keep it alive. Man, I just love that smell in the house. Yeah. That wonderful smell. Plus, I killed a house plant, so it would be nice to have something in that empty spot. Oh, good, you good, know, yes. That would be really nice, yeah. Hey, oh, oh, I forgot to tell you. So, you know, in the squash family, like cucumbers and uh, all those different squashes, uh-huh. when they first come up, you can never tell what they are. Yes. So I let, sometimes I just let them go. So I had a volunteer um, cantaloupe. That, oh my gosh, if that was not ripe today, this little tiny plant oh, gave me volunteer. one little gave tiny. you one. Nice. Gave me, that's, you know what? That's just a gift. Well, speaking of volunteer squash, so in my compost pile this year, I had a volunteer pumpkin plant, and there were four pumpkins on it. Two fell to the squirrels, mm. and mm-hmm. two I saved, and I harvested the second one today. I wanted to show it to you because it looks kind of goofy. Uh-oh. Oh, it's a good size. Christy, it's nice. <laughs> then she turns it around. Oh. So what happened to this is that it looks like somebody squished it or that it's pinched a lot. And that's because it was growing around a fence. Mm, that's what, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I had to pull it out of the, pull it out of this little fence. That's why it looks kind of gnarled uh-huh. and weird looking. And you can see right here, Edith, you know what that is? Squirrel. One squirrel bite. Uh-huh. And my handsome and handy husband told me last week, you should bring that pumpkin in. I said, oh, I'll give it another week. And he goes, okay. And then he came in one day and he says, I have some drama to tell you. Oh, drama. A squirrel has bit your pumpkin out there. And I well, was so mad. It doesn't look like it's rotting. It looks like it was. it's actually a small enough bite and a big enough pumpkin that it'll be fine. Yeah, I think so. I think it's sort of like, you know, in um, like The Walking Dead or in zombie movies. Uh-huh. If you just get one little bite, you know, you can cut that cut your hand oh. off or something oh, like that. Oh, ah, yeah. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be okay. But I think it might make an interesting jack-o'-lantern, first, huh? First Soylent Green, now we're chopping off hands. You're in a mood. <laughs> You're just in I'll a put mood. a picture of this on our Facebook page and uh, people can take a look at this funny looking pumpkin. But I think I'll have to see what kind of jack-o'-lantern he wants to be, huh? Are you going to harvest the seeds? I love Yo, pumpkins. yeah. Pumpkin seeds are yeah. so wonderful. Well, folks, if there are any words or terms you're not familiar with, you should go to our website and check out the Upside Down Dictionary at UpsideDownTulips.com. Or you can click on the link in our show notes. And also, why don't you check out the fun stuff we have on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. And now here's one of our brand new pot plays handcrafted just for you. Hey, Mona. What is it, Maggie Magpie? 
Why do birds sit on telephone wires? You mean like we're doing now? Yeah, but you're ruining my timing here. All you gotta do is say why. All you gotta do is say why. Stop mocking me, Mona. <laughs> Can't help it. It's who I am. I'm a mocking bird. Get it? A bird who mocks? But go ahead, do your joke. I'll play along. It's not even gonna be funny now. Give it a try. You never know. All right. Why do birds sit on telephone wires? Why do birds sit on telephone wires? Stop it, Mona. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. Why do birds sit on telephone wires? Because if they lie down, they'd fall off. <laughs> Oh, look, who's in his backyard. Horrible next-door neighbor, McDougal. I hate him. Why are you hating on him? Look at him carrying insecticide. That spray killed little Huma Hummingbird. Killed little Huma Hummingbird? Oh, I hate him, too. He's a cold-hearted and sadistic killer. Maybe he's just stupid. Stupid? How is that even possible? We have bird brains about the size of a hazelnut, and they have those big brains and their huge heads on top of their gigantic bodies. Ha! You remember Speedos? The Jerry Springer show? People saying climate change isn't real? Right. They're not all geniuses, I guess. They're just smart enough to do a lot of damage. Look, there's good neighbor Mindy. She's filling up the bird feeder. Thank you, Mindy. She's the best. Thank you, Mindy. Hey, let's go poop on McDougal's car. But he loves that car more than anything. Exactly. Right. <laughs> this has been a public service announcement brought to you by the Audubon Society in the Sky. This has been a public service Stop announcement it, brought Mona. to you by the Audubon Society in the Sky. <laughs> You're cutting into car pooping time. Oh. Edith, I love those characters. They were so fun to record. Oh, I love them too. I mean, we look up and we see birds and you know they're thinking something, right? <laughs> right. Like pooping on cars. Like pooping on, they can see everything up there. Yeah. Well, folks, this week we are talking about freezing and canning and other ways to preserve your garden. We've done this topic before way back in episode 10 which was called Yes, We Can, Easy Tips to Preserve Your Harvest. Mm -hmm. We kind of did an overview of lots of different ways mm -hmm. to preserve your harvest, but we're going to dig down a little bit more into freezing and canning. Yes. Uh, some people don't think it's worth it, though, to preserve your garden. Why do I, I, I have to disagree with that. I, I do, mean, too. You know, it's all that people think it's a lot of work. Well, it, it is some work. I mean, canning, I think, is a lot more work than freezing. But you also have options. For example, if you don't have a lot of freezer space, um, then you might want a can because everybody has some kind of a pantry. That's a really good point. Or like today what I did, I go outside and all of my herbs are happy and thriving. Um, the tomatoes are rushing to ripen. So I thought to myself, rather than just freeze more tomatoes, why don't I make a cream of tomato soup with all this fresh stuff 
and freeze that. Sure. It takes up so much less room than just freezing the tomatoes. And my friend Charlie got me a Instant Pot. Mm-hmm. It took eight minutes. Oh, nice. It took eight minutes to cook. That's unbelievable. <laughs> and it's Great. the best tomato soup I've ever tasted. Well, when you preserve your garden, you will save money. You will save money. Of There's some in- initial investment in some of the ways uh-huh. to do it. But uh, over the long haul, you can save money on your grocery bill. You know, Christy, they all, they always sell these freezer bags and stuff. And to be honest, I'm really tired of buying more plastic because every time you go to the store, everything is in a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. So I always wash all of them out. Yeah, I wash mine out too. And I think that using two bags is as good as a freezer bag from Ziploc or something. Hey, if it works for you, eat it. It does work. It, do, it works yeah. just fine. Yeah. Also, when you preserve and you freeze or can your own food, you get more nutrients. Yep, you do. You know where your food comes from. And if you recycle all the plastic like I do, that is one less thing that you have to buy at the grocery store. Good point. Become independent of that grocery store that decides what you're eating and where it's coming from and all Mm the awful, what are the carbon effects that Mm -hmm. it has. Even even if all you have is an indoor herb garden, that is... If you buy basil at the right. store, it's in a plastic box yeah, for whatever reason. <laughs> right. And it's wilty. And it's wilty and old. Yeah. The Idaho State Journal said that 68% of Americans would rather make their own fresh foods than purchase store-bought. Oh, that sounds really good. There's something, there's another reason why preserving your food is so positive, and it's kind of hard to describe, but there's a, a satisfaction of your own food, whether this is organic food that you get at the farmer's market or food that you grow yourself. Mm-hmm. But there is this satisfaction of harvesting it, preserving it, using it to feed your family or giving mm-hmm. it away as a gift. Yeah. I can't really describe it, but it is so rewarding. It's something it's worth that, all the time. You know, it has to go back, I don't know how many years, but it's. I think it's rooted in us to take care of our food source, to, mm. to not... I think that going to the grocery store for absolutely everything is not exactly the way it was that we were evolved, in other words, to go in this gigantic place. I think that when you make a connection with your food mm-hmm. by growing or freezing or whatever, it really... Um, what am I trying to say, Christy? It There's a sense of pride that I feel about it, too. Mm-hmm. There's pride Accomplishment. Is, uh, yes. Independence. Mm-hmm. Freedom from. Do it yourself. Well, let's dig into freezing, Edith. All right. There's the really easy way, which is usually the way that I do it. Uh, If you have time, you do it the good way. The good way is to blanch. Blanch means you put the tomatoes or peppers or whatever you're freezing, you put it into boiling water for, depending on what it is, anywhere, Christy, from 30 seconds. Peaches take like six seconds. Tomatoes might take 30, depending on the size. And then you take them out of there and you put them in an ice bath. You've prepared a big bowl with ice water in it. You do that to remove the skin. And the enzymes that happen that can cause uh, decay yes. and vitamin loss. Thank and there's something you. also about blanching mm-hmm. that brightens the color up too. Yes, because if you don't blanch, it kind of could tend to go brown. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. So, yeah, most vegetables 
and and herbs and fruits that you want to freeze benefit from blanching. Yeah, and once you blanch, you know, don't throw the blanched water down the sink. You know, save it, let it cool, and give it back to your garden because that's got all, it's like soup water almost. So that's the good way to do it. That's not the only way to do it. If you don't have time, I have some years I've taken a tomato, cut it into four, throw it in a bag, and throw it in the freezer, just like that. I've done that. Better than nothing, right? Yes. Just make sure you wash everything really well. I've not done that, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) I figure, you know, if it freezes, it dies if it's a bad thing. But I could be wrong. Are there some things that you don't freeze, Edith? Um... That's a really good question. I don't freeze, um, like, cantaloupe and stuff like that. I don't freeze that. I don't know if you can. But other than that, I freeze onions. I freeze garlic. Name a vegetable. I freeze so many things that I can go into my freezer in the wintertime and take out all the ingredients for soup. That's a good point. They may not be as pretty, Mm -hmm. like uh, cucumbers, onions, potatoes, Things that are of the lettuce family will mm-hmm. be a little bit more goopy, but that doesn't mean they won't be great in soup. Well, that is true, too. I Like, that's what, how I use kale, and that's how I use Swiss chard. I do not freeze cucumbers because I think they have way too much water, but I mm-hmm. do grate zucchini just for the baking. Yes, I've done that. Yeah, and also I slice it, and then I can put it, you can make it in um, with rice, and it's delicious. And it doesn't matter if it's a little goopy. It doesn't matter. And you don't need a lot of equipment at all. That That's one of the other things that I really, really uh-huh. like about it. So I have a waist-high freezer, which my daughter got one for free. Somebody on Craigslist didn't want it anymore. Brand new. I, I mean, you you can find sometimes, you can find real bargains with things like that. And do you have that in, is that in your, is that, that's not in your house though, is it? Is it not in your garage? I, I um, actually have two. <laughs> one is in okay. my house and oh. one is outside. Oh, wow. Because you know what I'm doing also? I'm using my freezer to make baby food. Now that the vegetables and the fruit is fresh, I've been I've made peach banana, peach applesauce, peach carrot. Why are you making so much baby food, Well, Edith? this is my granddaughter. Yay. You know, and um, <laughs> she so should cool. be ready to eat solid food. I don't know, January, February, but whenever she's mm-hmm. ready... I'm going to have a whole collection of stuff to give her. That's so wonderful. Yeah, and that that's the magic of freezing, really, that you can prepare ahead of time. You don't have to wait. Uh, when, when I knew they were having a baby, I made 14 different kinds of soup, and I froze them because so, you know how exhausting it is when someone just has a baby. They're, they're so tired. So anyway, yeah. That's what a good grandma you are. Well, thank you. But but this is this is the, the advantages of freezing. Uh. Do you ever um, put thing, freeze things on a tray first before you... Yes. Somebody told me, I, I do do that. I did that once with, um, with eggplant, but I forgot to put parchment paper down. No, I did put it on parchment paper, and it froze to the parchment paper, solid, froze. So I did that wrong. I made peach popsicles. If you, I made them not popsicles. They're in ice cube trays, because my neighbor told me, my neighbor Stephanie said, if you make them in these ice cube trays and then put them in a bag, one ice cube is how, the, is how much they start eating. So the mother can just take it out, let it defrost, and there she has her first baby food. Oh, that's great. Isn't that a good idea? 
It's um, it's also important, folks, that you cool food before you freeze it. Yes. Because you'll make sure you retain the natural flavors and the colors, and you'll actually speed the freezing process if you let it cool down. Yes. Um, I have also used ice cube trays to do herbs before. That's a great idea, So Christy. you can chop up herbs in a food processor, add a little bit of olive oil, and put it in ice cube trays. Basil is a great one for this. And so then when you do soups in the winter, you just throw the cubes in the oh, soups. Oh, that's such a good idea. Don't, don't forget when you freeze something in a plastic bag to try to pound out the air. Don't try to let great a lot point. of air be in there because it'll oxidize. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another good way to maximize freezer space is to take a cardboard milk or a juice container and clean it out and then place the freezer bag inside of it and then fill that up. So then you'll have a cube that's easier to maximize your freezer space. Oh, that's good. That's good. Like so it's Tetris. Not a falling off. Yes, yeah. that's a really good idea, Christy. <laughs> and then, you know, you should try to use your frozen harvest between 8 to 12 months for the best quality. Yeah, but it, it doesn't go bad. It can't go bad. It's frozen. You could get freezer burn. It could get freezer burn indeed, but that, you know, mm-hmm. you know me, I've had stuff in there for a couple of years, so. Yeah, for the best quality, 8 to 12 months. Yeah, for best quality, 8 to 12 months. That's a long time, folks. It is, yeah. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we'll talk about canning. The garden is known as a place of beauty, serenity, and contemplation. It gets you away from the stress of everyday life. I'll just sit under this peach tree. And lets your mind relax and go somewhere far away from the clang and clatter of modern life. Grounded in a long tradition, the garden is also a holistic art form for discovery and innovation. Now at peace with your surroundings, Those squirrels are eating my tomatoes! Get out, go, scram, and don't come back. Now, where was I? Let the sounds and smells of nature take you to enchantment. No! It's my awful neighbor, McDougal. Damn him and his leaf blower. Oh, look, a butterfly and a dragonfly. He blew them into my yard. And now I have birds drinking in the fountain. Ah. Ow! What was that? <gasps> a peach! My first peach of the season! Oh, that is so good. Yes, there are pitfalls in the garden, as in life. But if there's a peach at the end of it, doesn't it even out? Grow something. It is so worthwhile. All I want to do is sit under a tree and eat a peach. You know, Christy, uh, last year when I didn't have any peaches, you gave me a jar of canned peaches. Yes. I don't know if you remember this. And I sat under my peach tree and I ate those canned peaches. And I was so happy. That's what gave me the idea to put you under the tree. The tree. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's why I wrote it like that. Yeah. Let's talk about canning. Okay. You know, people will can because it is a way to have a longer shelf life. Yes. Than freezing. And you don't have to worry about a power outage. Oh, that's such a good point. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, that is such a good point. I have lost freezerfuls twice in my life. An entire freezer full of Isn't stuff. That's so sad. It is just, so sad. It, I've, I've had that happen to me before too. And I just think mm-hmm. about all the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time it happened to me, I actually wrote to the uh, electric company and made them pay me. Oh, I did. Nice. I mean, come on, that was a lot of work. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, canning also saves room in your freezer. Yes. And um, though, you know, freezing is preferred because of the amount of time and the steps involved in it, uh, canning um, has become very popular these days. Christy, can I mention how beautiful canned food looks? You know, you go to the store, it's in a tin can, you don't see anything. Mm -hmm. But when you home can and you see those shining rows of red and green. And it's in glass jars. In a glass. Oh, it's so pretty. Because the term canning doesn't come from like putting it in a metal can. It comes, it's short for the word canister. I did not know that. I'm going to go canister me some stuff. (laughs) I never knew that. Well, canning has become very popular these days. Um, And I think it's because... I think canning, teaching, learning how to can has skipped a generation. Whenever oh. you, people talk about canning, it's like, oh, my grandmother used to do that. Uh-huh. No one ever talks about their mother doing it. My grandmother canned, my mother did not. And it's making a huge comeback, especially since the pandemic hit. Um, I like it that you can control the amount of sugar and salt when oh, you can. That is the best of all, especially like when you can jam and jelly and stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't have to put the amount of sugar in that they do at the store. No, not at all. And not, it, and it's and it's and you can put in your good yeah. sugar. Yeah. Not Ex- yes. Not, not corn that syrup. high fructose. Yeah. 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 And also, Edith, do you have you ever heard about BPA? Oh yes. Well, this is from the Mayo Clinic. Oh good. BPA stands for by bisphenol bisphenol A, which is yeah. an industrial chemical that can be used to make certain plastics and resins since the fifties, and it's found in plastics and epoxy resins. It's also used to coat the inside of metal products such as food cans, mm-hmm. bottle tops, and water supply lines. And this can see, this is the run the Mayo Clinic and the FDA saying it can seep into the food or beverages from containers. Exposure is a concern because of possible health effects on the brain and prostate glands of fetuses, infants, and children. Wow. And it can affect children's behavior. Now... The FDA has said that BPA is safe at very low levels and can occur in some foods. But if you are concerned about BPA, you should cut back on your cans or reduce your use of canned foods You also and will, can your own food. You will notice, <laughs> uh, Christy and ladies and gentlemen out there, that a lot of like Eden Organics, a lot of organic canned food now will say free of BPA. Mm-hmm. So try, if you can afford to, mm-hmm. try to get those mm-hmm. or like Christy says... Can your own. Can your own. Um, I thought you'd find this interesting that um, Ball, which is the large mm-hmm. manufacturer of canning jars, mm-hmm. research shows that the new generation of home canners consists not of rural grandmothers, but urban women under the age of 55. More than 60% of the canners who are members of Ball's Facebook community are under the age of 44. Wow. And re- research conducted on behalf of the Ball brand canning line determined that nearly half of all millennials, which is 49%, are interested in canning. Oh my gosh, Chrissy, that's such good news. You know, you know, uh, you used to be able to find cans at thrift stores all the time. You can't anymore, the canning jars. Canning, yeah. And the stores are out of them. Because there's, it's, it's one, there's a supply that. chain problem, but also because they become so popular. Oh, okay. And so... 
Here's the deal. One thing that people are turned off by canning is they're always afraid they're going to kill somebody. Because of botulism. Botulism or pressure canning. And I'll say this, is that if you can read... I you, can read. You won't kill anyone. You won't kill anyone. <laughs> but you can read and follow directions. You won't kill anybody. Okay. Okay. So let's dig into it. Um, the first thing I want to talk about with canning is that it's easy. It's easier than people think it is. It's it, not hard. It's just lengthy. It's, it's a, lengthy, it's a little lengthy. You do something yeah. else. Well, then, you know, there's long stretches of time where you know how to do You could be, be boogieing. You could dance. You could right. boogie. You got yeah. the radio right. on. There's two kinds of ways to can. And one is a water bath and the other is pressure canning. I've done the water bath. I've never done the pressure canning. The pressure canning is, um, requires special equipment. Mm. So you would, and pressure canning helps in flavor. You need less water. Um, it does, the texture doesn't taste as Right. Oh. Um, it requires a little bit more maintenance of the machine because you need your pressure valves checked once a year. Uh-huh. And it can be a little intimidating, the pressure canning I part. have to admit it intimidates me a bit. So, um, but that's also become very popular. If you were interested in canning meat, pressure canning is the way to go. Oh, my. Or if you want to can vegetables without any acid, for example, tomatoes are very high acid um, vegetables, so it's it benefits from water canning. But if you want to can green beans, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. pressure canning is better for that. Um, or you could pickle green beans, which would be a water base. Mm-hmm. Oh, side note, the Instant Pot does not can. It does not it can. It does not. And even though some Instapots will have a button on it that says canning, this is from the Instapot company. Instapot can be used for boiling water canning. So this is the water bath method. Uh However, uh Instapot has not been tested for food safety and pressure canning by the USDA. Uh, So this is science. I would wait until they tested it, folks. The way you kill bacteria is a combination of time and temperature. It's not so much about the pressure. It's the temperature that Mm -hmm. matters. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't been cleared yet. So folks... Use your Instapot to make something and mm-hmm. then water bath can it or pressure can it. Good. Good thinking, Christy. So I'll talk about water bath canning because that's what I've done before. But okay. if people have some interesting stories about pressure canning, boy, I'd love to hear about them. So the things that you can water bath can are fruits and fruit juices, jams and jellies, salsas, tomatoes, pickles, relishes, chutneys, sauces, pie fillings, vinegars, and condiments like ketchup. Mm, and barbecue mm-hmm, sauce. Mm-hmm. You don't need a lot of fancy equipment. Um, when it comes to canning, one of the most important things that you have to make sure is that you have everything with you because it's really just about timing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of timing, it's the timing is different at our altitude. So if you're at altitude like we are uh, over 5,000 feet, the timing is a little different than if you are at sea level. That's true. You need to add one thousand for every one thousand feet. You need to add one minute or so, and I'll get into that in just a second. Okay. Um, for jars, this is one investment that you'll have to make: is an investment in proper canning jars. You can't reuse grocery jars. So, like, if you had a jar of mayonnaise, right, and you wash it right. out, no, no, you no, you can't no. reuse that. 
But you can reuse the jars that you buy, mm-hmm. the special mason or ball jars that are out there, and you can reuse the screw bands. Mm-hmm. The lids that are on jars, you can only use once. One time and then get rid of them. But right. there's another kind. There's other brands that are out there that are growing for more and more reuse of the lids. Oh. And that's just about because the, you want to make sure that the seal is really strong. Because yeah, that's where botulism comes in, folks, yeah. if the seal is not really yeah. strong. Sterilizing the jars is a vital part. Mm-hmm. So you need to make sure you wash the jars in soapy water, hot soapy water. Boil in a water bath for 10 minutes and add a minute for every 1,000 feet above sea level. Mm-hmm. So we live in Denver. 5280, 5,280 feet, a mile above sea level. So we here would boil the jars for 15 minutes. It used to be said that you could sterilize your jars in a dishwasher, or you could put your stove at 250 and sterilize them that way, Mm -hmm. but that is no longer recommended by the FDA. Mm, I always boiled mine. Yeah, Yeah. boil, boil them. And that's why it's handy to have a jar lifter. So I have a jar lifter. I'm just showing this to you here, Edith. You don't have to have one. Like I said, you don't have to have a lot of fancy equipment. But here's my jar lifter. It looks like something my OBGYN would use. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't it? It's scaring me. Edith, can you scoot forward? (laughs) Scoot forward a little bit. Scoot. Just like, just a little bit more. Okay. Uh, Because these are great to have to lift your your jars out. Uh And then um, make sure you use a recipe that's after 1994. Why? Because we know better now, so we should do better. And we have more information and more science about how to keep how to keep canning safe. Okay. So we should use, use a recipe that's after. Even though your grandmother had a recipe from 1950 and nobody ever got sick, we know better now, so we should do better. Do you mean the recipe for the whole entire process? Is that what you mean? Whatever recipe you're doing. So if you're doing tomatoes, your tomato okay. canning recipe, your peach recipe, your pickles, okay. your salsa... Whatever recipe you're using, make sure it's after 1994. Okay, good. Uh, things should be packed um, hot. Um, it's called hot pack canning. It's the process of boiling fresh prepared food, letting it simmer for a few minutes, and then promptly filling hot jars, and then proceeding to a water bath. Um, juice, water, syrup that you add to these cans, also to the, to the jar, should also be boiled. Uh, many foods, when fresh, can have 10 to 30% more air. Hot packing removes air, shrinks the food, and keeps the food floating in the canning jar. And this improves shelf life and the amount you can put in there and mm-hmm. makes everything safe. Uh, to help do that, I have a canning funnel. So essentially, it's a funnel with a big mouth. Mm-hmm. It helps you pour things into it. Mm-hmm. Um, Headspace is important. Canning is a science where we... And when we can, we want the air to escape and create a seal. So you had to make sure you leave a headspace. So you don't want to fill it all the way up. Because mm-hmm. then all- it could explode. Yes. And you may also need to add, most likely, citric acid or lemon juice. This is bottled lemon juice, not fresh lemon juice, by the way, to lower the pH. Or sometimes in some recipes, they'll call for apple cider vinegar. A key thing to remember before sealing jars is to wipe the rims with a paper towel or a clean cloth. And then close just finger tight, not more. If you do it too tight, they could also explode. It could explode. See, if you yeah. can read, you won't kill anybody. Now, I use a big canner. I have a water canner for the water bath. Um, you can also use a large pot. What's nice about the canner is that it has a rack. 
Um, but if you just have a large, large pot that can cover the jars a couple of inches of water, that's totally fine. One to two inches of water. Bring the water to a boiling point and let the, star, the jar sit for the time that it says in the recipe. And add one minute for every 1,000 feet above sea level. Um, when it's done, you need to inspect the lid for seals. There should be no flex when the center is pressed. It doesn't it make a sound? Doesn't it make a popping it sound? It makes like a doink noise. Yeah, really cool noise. It, yeah. It gives that great ping. And if it fails to seal within 24 hours, that just means... Do it over? You could process it all over again or put it in the refrigerator. When that water that's in the canner, don't throw that away. No. I use it, pour it out in the garden. Let it cool first. And your jar should be stored between 50 to 70 degrees, not above 90, and not in direct sunlight. And things should be good for over a year for mm -hmm. top flavor. Mm -hmm. um, and a commercial canner jar is good for two to five years after that. You know, Christy, there's so much to preserving food. We're going to have to revisit this topic, not canning and freezing, but the other things you can do. We'll have to revisit this topic. I think so. I, I'm, I'm in total agreement. Oh, my God, Edith. What is it? It's mailbag time. Yes, ring, ring. This letter comes from Uta from Washington, D.C. Uh-huh. Hey, ladies. I just finished listening to your raw episode. A tip I'd like to share. I freeze pesto all the time. The way to keep the basil happy and light is to blanch the basil in boiling water for 10 seconds, then immediately put the blanched basil into ice water for 30 seconds or so. I dry the basil in my salad spinner before I use it to make pesto. That's great. And very apropos for this episode. Isn't that great? That's great. Because we were lamenting about how when we freeze pesto, uh -huh. it turns brown. Yeah. And I'm but tired of brown pesto, Edith. Yeah, that's, that's a whole other thing. I have all this basil that I'm going to have to come, it's going to have to come in soon mm -hmm. because basil hates the cold. Don't forget you can stick it in a glass of water and keep it growing and fresh for a while and even repot it. That's true. Treat it like a flower. Do never put it in the refrigerator. No. Unless you're going to blanch it and make pesto out of it and freeze it. Yes. So I'm going to try this next week, Uta, and I will report back on my success. I wish that everybody would be like Uta and send us their favorite gardening stories, successes, flops, preserving ideas. And gardening questions. We love hearing from you. Please do it. Write to us. Like right now. Okay, right now. Stop listening and write. Upside Down Tulips at Gmail or at our website at UpsideDownTulips.com or check out the show notes. The sun is starting to rise. The clouds are parting. The birds are singing. Edith. Yes. It's time for the inspiration of the week. I have an inspiration. Here we go. Quote, The single greatest lesson the garden teaches is that our relationship to the planet need not be zero sum, and that as long as the sun still shines and people still can plan and plant, think and do, we can, if we bother to try, find ways to provide for ourselves without diminishing the world. Michael Pollan. Beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? We can do that. That's a hopeful little message, gardeners. That's what we're all doing. So thank you so much for being with us, doing it uh, with us. 
And thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode. We are Edith Weiss and Christy Montour Larson. And if you got some laughs and value out of this week's episode, maybe you could subscribe, like, or use your follow button wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much to Denise Gentilini for composing and performing the Upside Down Tulips theme song. She has a lot more music. Go to denisegentilini.com or find that link at our own upsidedowntulips.com website. And thank you to our excellent and elusive engineer. He's so good. A special thank to our local nursery and friend of the show, Southwest Gardens. A huge shout out thank you to you. Join us next week for a brand new episode that will amaze and delight you. And don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. Upside down. Scooch, Edith. Scooch a little I'm closer. Flashback. Scooch a little more. <laughs> no, no. Scooch it. Put that instrument away. That doesn't look good. <laughs>